Welcome to Brainwaves on 3CR Community Radio, 8.55am or streaming live on 3cr.org.au. Okay, so my name is Kiara and I'm joined in the studio by Rebecca. So we thought we would do a little bit of a review of the year just passed. Um, So we'll be... um, talking through different events that have that is that have happened um, throughout 2016 as well as playing um, excerpts from uh, various shows um, that we have uh, looked at during the year take it away Rebecca hey everyone uh, so on the 17th of March 2016 it was national close the gap day close the gap is a national effort to address poor indigenous mental health and well-being. Indigenous Australians are on average twice as likely to be hospitalised for mental health issues, three times as likely to report psychological distress levels that impact on their mental health and are twice as likely to take their own lives. Mental health accounts for 10% of the health-related gap for Indigenous Australians with suicide contributing a further 4%. Close the Gap is an important day because we need to support community-based approaches that focus on the healing and the recovery. So basically, it's just a a national, I guess, awareness campaign. Yeah, exactly. Okay, fantastic. So if anyone's interested in finding out more about National Close the Gap Day, we'll be including a link um, on our podcast page if people are interested in finding out more. Moving on, um, on March 30th was World Bipolar Day. Uh, World Bipolar Day is a a global day in order to help raise awareness um, about bipolar disorders. Um, And on the show, we spoke with Reid Maxwell, who's the president of the Melbourne Bipolar Network and manager of MindWorks. Uh, We spoke to him uh, to talk about uh, what bipolar disorder is, um, common myths, um, and how people with um, bipolar can uh, recover, and how the community can be more understanding and more aware um, of bipolar disorder. Let's have a little bit of a listen. Yeah, probably two extremes, I would think, there. It could be a sense of relief for someone mm-hmm. to to recognise that what they're going through is something that people do know about. So it, because I think the most frightening thing is the unknown, yeah. and and to be uh, to be disconnected with our world, whether you're having a manic episode or even in depressive uh, symptoms, to to feel as though you're the only one. And as part of our group, I think most people come here and think, well, you know, my disorder is my disorder. And um, and when they find out that you're talking about one in five people in our, our world and and almost half our population will have a, a mental health condition in their life, we start to realise, as much as we want to be an individual in this life, we start to realise that, that there there is... A understanding and there is a way of identifying what's going on for us so I think probably the main definition of having a mental health condition is that it interfects it affects your daily life mm. and and you seek support to understand that amazing that was such an interesting show um, 
with Reed. And I think, well, obviously this year we're going to be doing March 30th is World Bipolar Day this year as well. So we'll likely be having someone on the show relating to that to try and continue to promote, yeah, awareness of bipolar disorder. Great. All right. So um, Rebecca, you were able to tell us a bit about uh, the NDIS, which actually played a really huge uh, role um, last year. For those at home who don't know what NDIS stands for, it stands for the National Disability Insurance Scheme. And there was a huge development this year. In July 1st, 2016, it became the new mental health system that replace that replaces community support. And it started to roll out in the northeastern suburbs of Melbourne. On July 20th, we spoke to David Parker from Jobco about this issue. Let's have a listen. A few Prime Ministers ago, um, there was a desire to do something better um, for people with disability, but also there has been a huge um, attempt from the disability sector for people with disabilities for years to actually get better treatment, get access to uh, some of that money and that's being spent on their behalf when they have actually had no involvement in how that money gets spent. And it it was really developed. Um, They've looked at different organisations in different countries and different models to come up with different ways of doing it and this is the one that they've come up with. So now it's it's been developed, it's been piloted, as we said, in Geelong, uh, the Hunter and a couple of other places. They did that for three years and now they're gradually rolling it out through the rest of the country. Mm. And mm. northeastern Melbourne is the first one mm. uh, in the Melbourne area. Yeah, as I said before, that uh, many of these clients haven't had an ongoing uh, stable services in the past. So this is a fantastic opportunity for them to have something that's ongoing and stable mm. and they don't, it will take a lot of worry away from them. Okay, so as the you know NDIS um, continues to roll out um, across Australia, um, we will for sure continue to do shows uh, on the NDIS. I believe that the next um, areas for the NDIS to be rolled out in is the Outer East and the Inner East as well. And that'll be occurring uh, this year on November 1st, 2017. So we'll definitely have more updates uh, later on in the year. Um also, moving on, um, in so on the 15th to the 21st of May 2016 was Schizophrenia Awareness Week, um, which has recently been uh, renamed uh, Well Ways to Mental Health Week. Um, and this year, uh, Well Ways to Mental Health Week will be held on the 21st of May to the 27th of May. However, those dates haven't been confirmed yet. <laughs> So for Well Ways to Mental Health Week uh, in 2016, we spoke with um, one of our Brainwaves members, James, about his lived experience uh, of schizophrenia. Let's have a listen. One of the things I'd say is be be a little, don't let the person off the hook, but be, be a little bit gentle because, um, you know, I think uh, increasing the stress in your communication and... Um, you know, if people get very stressed, it, it can exacerbate the psychotic illness. We seem to be very sensitive creatures. Um, and, um, you know, I think um, look towards the, the the people that are helping you and, and have hope that they can, they can improve your son's or your daughter's situation. And I guess, I guess it is that, I guess it's important to have that hope for the carer as much as it is to ha- to have uh, hope as a person with, uh, with a, a very severe mental illness. On July 2nd was the federal election. 
During the campaign, a number of mental health issues were raised. The ALP and the Greens agreed to reduce suicide by 50% in 10 years. However, the coalition failed to make such a commitment. But the newly elected Turnbull government announced $192 million in additional funding for mental health. The funding will provide, among other things, a new $12 million suicide research fund, an investment to support the further development of Mental Health Digital Gateway, an additional 10 headspace centres, secure funding for early psychosis centres until 2019, and more funding for Lifeline. So with the uh, Lifeline text messages, that's when people call Lifeline and if they're in a crisis, um, rather than just um, them calling and then... I guess, a person not having any more contact, Lifeline actually um, will be following up text messages. So they'll, you know, shoot a text message to someone. So let's say you call Lifeline and Mm. you're in a really bad place. Lifeline can actually text you back, you know, and say, hey, just wanted to check in. How you going, Rebecca? I wanted to make sure everything's all right. Um, So I guess maintaining that contact for people. Um, so I guess to trying to prevent relapse. And yeah, yeah, that's also good because a lot of people prefer to actually speak to someone through text message or a phone than rather go mm. see someone in person. So, And everyone seems to be on their phones these days, so like, why not fund, yeah. fund it? No, that's but yeah, awesome. it, it's, 2016 was definitely a massive year for the federal election and all the mental health issues that were raised. Yeah, and we'll, um, if anyone's interested in finding out more about um, the media release um, from the federal election, we'll be including that link on our podcast page as well. Um, all right, so uh, Are You OK Day uh, last year was on September the 8th. Um, and Are You OK Day is basically um, an awareness campaign like uh, Beyond Blue um, to basically raise awareness around uh, suicide prevention. So Are You OK Day um, actually promotes uh, asking uh, the people around you and asking your loved ones um, if they are in fact okay and checking up uh, with their mental health and well-being and making sure that um, people feel as though it's okay uh, to talk if, you know, if they're not feeling great and to be able to open up um, to people. Um, and this year we have uh, Are You OK Day is on the 14th of September this year. Yeah, yeah, it's really good Are You OK Day because I've, I've known in the past, like I've always kind of celebrated it on that day, but I think in a way it should kind of be every day or like every like week or so, like because you, like you, never, you never know what, other people are going through and Mm. I think it's important to ask someone if they're okay because you never know when you're going to change their life you never you like you never know if you're going to help them and yeah so I think are you okay should be every day and by the way are you okay (laughs) I'm not okay (laughs) I'm really tired (laughs) well I'm glad I asked because now I share your pain no thank you Rebecca No, look, I, I completely I completely agree with you, especially like on social media. It's, um, I guess, pumped a lot, you know, around that time of year. And then I guess the rest of the year, it kind of dies off. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, perhaps that's something that we should get on board with in terms of, you know, making sure that we do ask the people around us if they are okay on a more regular basis. Yeah. And yeah. because it's such a, like, it's such a small 
thing to text someone as well. Like you can do it when you're in the toilet or if you're like on your phone. Not when you're driving. Not when you're (laughs) driving. No, no, no. But you can do it just whenever you have a moment because it'll only take like less than five seconds. And I think the most important thing about it is, are you okay? It's one of those things where you're still showing that you care about someone, that you love someone. And I think everyone kind of knows, everyone loves in a different way, but asking, are you okay? And reaching out to see if they are really okay is really important. Yeah. Perfect. And, um, you know, in the same kind of field, there was um, World Suicide uh, Prevention Day, uh, which was on the 10th of September. And this year it's uh, on the same day because it's a, uh, I guess it's a global um, Mm. day. So during that whole week, um, yeah, we'll, I guess, have um, perhaps we could pull someone on the show from Are You OK Day. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's really good because 2016, I feel like now it's, a lot easier to talk about suicide and if anyone who has gone through that they're more open to it now and I think it's important because suicide is one of the most leading deaths here especially in Australia especially for young people yeah yeah and I guess it's just important for like their be a day dedicated to it so people know that they're they're not alone and that there are people out there who will always care like there'll always be someone who cares And if you think you don't, we do. All right, we're just going to take a quick break uh, for a song and a CSA and we'll be right back. Welcome back to Brainwaves on 3CR Community Radio, 8.55am or streaming live on 3cr.org.au. My name is Kiara and I'm joined in the studio by Rebecca. And today we are doing a bit of a review of the year just passed. So 2016 in review. On October 2016, the government began taking submissions on the draft 5th National Mental Health Plan. The previous plan had expired in 2014. The Constellation draft of the plan identifies seven priority areas, integrative regional planning and service delivery, coordination, treatment and supports for people with severe and complex mental illness, safety and quality in mental health care, Suicide Prevention, Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander Mental Health and Suicide Prevention, Physical Health of People with Mental Illness, and Stigma and Discrimination Reduction. If you want to find out more information, we'll leave a link to all the information and the media releases we have on our podcast page. Okay, so continuing on with the uh, political aspects of the year, in September, Senate opposition forced the Turnbull government to abandon plans to strip the disability support pension from individuals undergoing psychiatric confinement. Um, So, quote from uh, Frank Quinlan was, removing welfare payments from patients undergoing psychiatric confinement would have further eroded support for people with a mental illness and further entrenched systematic discrimination. Um, And this was said by Frank Quinlan, the CEO of Mental Health Australia. Having access to income when returning to the community is critical in giving people a sense of dignity and control over their lives. Um, That is so important. I'm so glad glad that that actually um, happened because just because people are in a psychiatric hospital, Mm -hmm. um, it doesn't mean that they should necessarily have 
um, their pension removed during that time because when they come back, they still have to live and they've still got yeah. um, things to pay for. Um, so I guess that was a real positive um, that came out of um, September. Yeah, and I definitely think that that will play a huge role in what happens this year as well because I know there's also a few issues arising with um, getting support when you're in psychiatric care. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see how it plays out over the next few months. Yep, definitely. So jumping back into it, uh, throughout the year, concerns were raised over the impact of housing affordability on mental health. Uh, so following the release of Anglicare's rental affordability snapshot in April, uh, the CEO of Mental Health Australia, Frank Quinlan, uh, said that there are clear connections between unstable housing and poor mental health. Together with other life stresses, housing stress and sorry, housing stress reduces psychological well-being and exacerbates mental illness. Uh, we actually spoke uh, with Andy from Launch Housing uh, about homelessness on November the 2nd. So let's have a listen to the show with her. So we know that um, the public perception, perception of mental health illness causing homelessness is quite high. Um, and in a recent research that we did, 50% of respondents actually thought that mental health illness was the cause of homelessness. Um, however, in reality, it's only about 13% of people who actually um, have accessed homelessness services stated that mental health illness was the reason for them seeking support. Um, we also know that people are more likely to, to actually develop mental health illnesses as a result of their homelessness rather than the other way around. Last year on October 10th, it was World Mental Health Week. The theme was Psychological and Mental Health First Aid for All. The show we produced, we called Where To From Here. We talked a bit about recovery and moving on to employment. Unfortunately, access to some psychological treatment is far from guaranteed in many countries. Kiara and I talked recently to two Indonesian delegates and it'll be coming up on a show really soon. So yes. stay tuned. Yeah, so that was a show that we recorded end of last year. Yeah. Um, yeah, so we'll be playing that show uh, sometime in the next few weeks. So stay tuned for that one because it was a really um, interesting show uh, where we spoke about, um, I guess, just the lack of structure um, and the lack of, I guess, a mental health care system um, yeah. in third world countries like Indonesia. And it was crazy to see to hear from other people telling us what they have, what they have, and what we have, and how how crazy it is over there that they don't have some of the sources we have here in Australia. And I think to me, it really changed my outlook on third world countries and how mental health is treated over there than it is treated here. And I think Australia's got it pretty good. Yeah. So stay tuned on that one. Um, moving on to November 2016, um, so the Movember Foundation is an organisation dedicated to tackling men's health um, by addressing some of the biggest health issues faced by men, um, including prostate cancer, testicular cancer, um, and of course, mental health and suicide prevention. Um, so Movember, for those who don't know, uh, is a month where men and women um, grow their hair, not only on their head, but on their moustaches as well, uh, to raise money um, to create awareness and to, um, I guess, put funding towards uh, the Movember Foundation so that they can continue uh, raising money 
um, and donating money towards um, these really important causes. Uh, we spoke with uh, Rhett Corker uh, from the Movember Foundation on November 9th. Uh, let's have a listen to our chat with him. Looking specifically at the, the mental health um, projects that we, we work on and that we fund, we're really focused on prevention and early intervention of mental health issues for men. So this includes depression, anxiety, stress, um, the whole raft of, of mental health issues. So really focused on that, that sort of early intervention um, type areas. We also look at suicide prevention and, and really trying to reduce the number of men taking their own lives. And the ways that we we do this is having a real focus on empowering men to talk about the significant moments in their life. So that can be positive things or, or negative, you know, using the terms positive and negative. It could be, you know, uh, becoming a new father. It could be something like losing a job or losing, losing a family member. Um, these are really significant moments in, in blokes' lives and, and often um, there's the sense that we can't really talk about them. But I think that you know, this idea that men don't talk is is a real myth. Um, blokes do talk. It's about giving them the right environment, asking the right questions, listening properly, and also respecting just how how difficult it can be for um, for men to open up and, and talk about these difficult things in their life. To finish off our year in review, on November sixteenth, we spoke to Nicole Hyatt from Cope, uh, the Centre of Perinatal Excellence, about perinatal depression and anxiety. It was Perinatal Depression and Anxiety Awareness Week and Nicole provided us with some really good statistics and information about perinatal depression and anxiety and that it affects more more people than expected. We once thought. Yeah. yeah. Uh, great. Definitely interesting show. I yeah. really love that one. All right, and let's, let's have a listen. So mental illness can occur at any time in a woman's life or a man's life, um, but we know that uh, the perinatal period, so pregnancy and the first year after having a baby, is the time that she is most likely um, to develop mental health problems. So um, in when you look at the uh, symptoms and nature of the disorder, they're not actually clinically different from depression or anxiety, for example, that incur, occur outside of the perinatal period. But um, the way that they're viewed by consumers and the context in which they're viewed is quite different because people are often putting these signs and symptoms down to part of having a baby. So, for example, we've done a lot of research with uh, women who have experienced uh, pregnancy depression, for example, and they said they didn't identify the symptoms because they thought it was the pregnancy hormones. They just put it down to the hormones. Mm. Uh, similarly, in the postnatal period, they put it down to, well, what did I? What did you expect? And other people even say, well, what did you expect? You're having a baby. Of course you're going to feel that way. Or they put it down to, again, the hormones or it's sleep deprivation or it's just part of adjusting. So it's very important that we position the information in a way that's relevant to women and positioning that information in the context of what is going on for them when pregnant or having a baby um, is so important. So although clinically they are no different um, to uh, these conditions outside of the perinatal period, for the consumer experience and the way they view them, they are quite different. So we need to be able to make sure that we're presenting the information in a way that they're going to understand and is going to be receptive to that information. Amazing. And that uh, concludes our 2016 in review. Uh, we hope you enjoyed our, uh, I guess, fl not flashback. Our flashback. 
<laughs> our review of, of the year and uh, looking back at all of our various uh, shows. Um, remember that you can download podcasts of all of our shows and all of the shows that we've um, done snippets of uh, this uh, episode on brainwaves.org.au. Make sure that you tune in next week uh, for another episode of Brainwaves. Uh, Stay tuned for Renegade Economist.